Welcome to Web of Resonance. I'm Teresa Carmody with Elemental Journeys. And I am Ken Edwards, the Runewalker. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm good. It's been uh, a busy solstice uh, with a lot of performing and, uh, you know, shifting energy. It's It's been uh, interesting. I'm, I'm actually starting to feel uh, the air start to... Uh, uh, come alive maybe yeah there's a there's a um, yeah like that little bit of a winter brings that little bit of a tingly icy freshness I feel like a gum commercial or a mint commercial um, to the air yeah and that I think uh, sparks renewal and freshness yeah, I think it's been it's been an interesting uh, evolution of the wheel this year for me and how I'm experiencing it. Uh, you know, my intention last year was I really wanted to become more aware of even uh, in the season where one element is in its ascent or in its um, when the elements in its season, where are the other elements? Um and so this whole last year, that's kind of what I've been experiencing. I've really been experiencing uh, the ascendance, the zenith, and then the descent of whatever elements in its season, but then also feeling how the elements on either side of that are participating in that. Like, how does air fuel the fire so that at Beltane, the fire kind of takes over in its um, time? And how the air helps it to ascend to its zenith. Um, and then how the water starts to uh, just wake up a little bit and starts to help cool the fire so that it moves towards descendants. And yeah. how by doing that, the water starts to gain its momentum. Um, yeah. So so it's been a, it's been an interesting. It's, it feels more integrated. It feels more collaborative. Uh, it, it's a difference between, I used to feel that elements would just kind of take their turn. And now I'm actually feeling how they work together um, to support whatever elements turn it is in them uh, doing their thing. Yeah, it's, um, it really is paying attention to, it's like, it's almost like having, four different oceans that ebb and flow yeah and their tides come in at different times but they're still there and still present well and you and i uh were talking before we started recording about collaboration and what does that look like and what does community look like and uh to me that's a lot what i've been feeling um in the elements is it's almost like they're showing me what community looks like uh, you know, when is it your turn? How do you strongly step into your turn? When do you start to support something else that's growing? How do you help uh, draw uh, something that's in its descendant? Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting, um, an interesting concept, too, I think, uh, when we apply it to people. Um you know, how do you uh, maybe somebody in your community is a challenge to you and it's their turn to lead? Um, maybe kind of like uh, I used to feel with water, um, me being a fire sign, I would, when it was water's time of the year, I just felt like it was this uh, almost a, a fight, but <laughs> uh, or a struggle. So, allowing for that season to still take its turn and and be part of it and allow for it and allow you know that person in your community who is stepping forward to do this um to take charge and um still being supportive of the community or of the the wheel as a whole um without which i think this happens in our modern society well i'm out then i don't agree with that i'm yeah I think, not part I think of the, it's, the cycle um, or, or the uh, to me I think the you know you and I talk a lot about hierarchy and power dynamics and and um 
I think that's part of what I'm trying to find is what is that new language for me of when an element is in its season. Um, I like I've used the word dominant before. It's the dominant element. Um, and I think it, that just doesn't feel quite right to me. It's almost like everybody gets a turn to shine. And uh, so how yeah. do I recognize when it's my turn? How do I recognize when it's not my turn? Um what I, I'm still connected to the whole. So what is my role and how I support whose turn it is? Like, even if I don't agree with someone, yeah. if they're taking a turn, they, it, it's about them shining. Yeah. We're not really, well, <laughs> I was going to say, we're not really taught how to do that, but I think it's a really complex, um, interesting uh, dynamic to step into this um, to come from in my Christian background being of service to constantly really it, it's always about someone else so how do I you know safely for myself and comfortably step into a place now of it is my turn to be the one that shines and then, you know, because uh, I feel like I could do that. I can do the other. I can be supportive. And I have uh, for, you know, many years learned to be supportive, maybe not in the right way because it's, you know, in service to instead of being of service. But um, yeah, that's an interesting. Well, I think it's, uh, a, you know, concept. you and I, we named our podcast Web of Resonance. And I think both of us have. Um, this felt sense of being connected to a larger web. Um, and I think just in naming the podcast that I think part of what's happening for both of us is that we are really learning uh, more depth and subtle nuance about what it means to be a member of a web. And that, uh, yeah. you know, all organic systems, organisms, uh, are dynamic. They move, they change, they have seasons. Um, and the same is true when you create human community is that there is a web that is connected, but it's not a static web. And so, you know, um, I think one of the ways that you avoid that hierarchy and power differential is if you look at, you know, what are the roles uh, that are needed to hold the community together? And who best fulfills those roles right now and that that might change. I think we get, as humans, yeah. we get kind of stuck in whatever the roles are. There's only one person who fulfills it instead of recognizing, well, you know, sometimes you get burned out on a particular role and you just need to try something new. So who's going to step into the shoes that you've just left empty yeah. so that the community as a whole uh, continues to grow and evolve. Yeah, that's, it's, um, the one thing I was thinking about, uh, when you were talking about that is that if I don't have my role, who am I then? So it starts to play this, oh, well, I'm, I'm the director of water and sewage and that's my role and that's what I do. And that's how I fulfill my role in the community, but I can't give it up because then I don't know what my role in community is. So it's, for me, it's, it also is looking at how do we identify as members of the community without specific roles, but then being able to step into a role that you fulfill, but that's not how we, we identify ourselves. Because it, it, it tends to be that we identify ourselves based upon who we're in relationship to or with, not just as, you know, being yourself, <laughs> which is, I think, an interesting um, kind of challenge that I've had maybe over the last couple months of uh, not being the shop owner anymore, you know, all of these different things uh, that have shifted me out of <laughs> being in relation, a lot of relation to people so that I, I'm losing these roles, which then is a little unnerving to not have these things to identify myself <laughs> as. And having to figure out what that is for yeah. myself a little deeper. The thing that keeps coming to mind for me is drum circles. Um, 
and uh, there used to be a drum oh. circle here in town. It might still be going on, and I've just lost touch with it. But um, it was a drum circle where I want to say, you know, 25 to 30 people would show up every month. So it, it was a pretty big drum circle. Um, and what I would notice is we would all start, like somebody would take a leadership role and just start with kind of a, a pretty basic beat and all of us would kind of join in. And what's interesting to me about drum circles when they're done really well is that there's a point where if I'm initiating it, that when everybody joins in, I kind of start to recede and let the whole take over. And then what often happens is we create kind of a beat or a rhythm together and energy together until someone is inspired and they add something slightly new, a, a new variation that the whole group then supports and builds around that. Or if they don't support it, that just kind of fizzles out. Uh, but the magic to me is when an innovation occurs, can you find your connection to it and support it with what you're doing? And can you also recognize when you are the one inspired to innovate? Um, and I think yeah. there's something uh, energetically significant about how a good drum circle goes um, that I think, I think that's the, that's the learning edge or the learning curve I'm on currently is kind of, okay, I know what that feels like. Um, and if, if people aren't used to being in drum circles and doing that, how do you take that same energetic of what happens in a group and that kind of organic ebb and flow of innovation and support? Um, like, how can that be applied to other situations? <laughs> so, you know, how does this, how, how, how do you disseminate this, this ability <clears throat> or this uh, new structure of community? God. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I, I actually I experienced that flow um, <clears throat> both in drum circles and whenever I've done circle singing. And different people lead circle singing a little different in different ways. But the circles I always really liked uh, or again, you know, somebody starts with kind of a basic rhythm and somebody else gets inspires and adds to it. And you kind of, you listen to what is already there until for me anyway, I would start hearing something else in my head. And sometimes the something else is um, supporting what's already there. Sometimes it's adding something that slightly shifts the whole Um but I've I've been in uh, some circle singing groups where we'll be singing the same piece for like five, 10 minutes straight, but it, it organically grows and changes so that what we're singing at the end is not what we started with, but that there's been some kind of natural progression that... Um, that it doesn't feel like you did two separate things. It's still one thing. It just grew in a way that we landed somewhere different than when we started. Well, I think um, what I just thought of was how, how does that work um, when, you, when you're in a show, an improv show? Like, how does that differ? Because that was my first thought was, oh, well, do you, does that happen when you're doing an improv show? You all, You know, you have the the basic story or you have a setting and then you go from there. But so for you, does that apply to that world too? Or how does um, I that think differ? It does apply to that world. I think that's kind of what my learning edge is, is that, uh, you know, I can recognize how someone initiates and then uh, the whole kind of support that and play around with it. And then an innovation kind of, it's almost like you'd have to, it's hard to stop an innovation when it's inspired by what the collective is doing. Um, and I can recognize that yeah. in drum circles and circle singing. I think I'm starting to recognize that in improv. Um, and, um, and I don't quite have an answer for that yet. It's still something that I'm kind of considering and I have a few theories I'm going to have to test out and, 
but there but there's something about how you interact when you recognize that somebody has had an innovation and you want to support that because you really want their idea to shine you want them to realize the full potential of whatever um that thing is that is moving in them and and give it its fullest life and then re- also i think it's very important to recognize and when is that complete and and you've got to shift focus again and how do you how do you make offers yeah. that clearly articulate that so that everybody else is on board with what you're doing that that to me is uh probably yeah. the biggest challenge but also the greatest reward when it works out of doing improv yeah i can see that because it would be um I guess, you know, when you're in an, in an ensemble, it's not like you're in a in a movie where you have two or three lead characters and everyone else is, you know. Right. The woman in the back <laughs> of the hot dog and, you know, the it's 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 different and I I would say playing with people um or being in an ensemble with people who have the same um perspective of Oh, ooh, this that was innovative. Let's go with that. Let's, you know, let's let that blossom and bloom rather than, oh, well, that's not the part I decided I was going to play, or that doesn't focus on me, or that doesn't, it, it doesn't leave much room for diva. Well, I think it leaves diva moments, and who's going to be the diva? Um, yeah. Right, yes. right. And, and that changes all the time. It's not one person being, well, I'm the diva, and so every moment has to be about me. It's allowing uh, yeah, the ensemble to be the diva. I think it's a lot like uh, jazz improvisation. You know, you have a melody going, and uh, what I will notice when I when I uh, listen to jazz that's improvisational is that as you listen to the song, um, so one instrument will kind of take an innovative improvisational lead. They resolve whatever their thought or idea or musical story is and then they kind of fade back into you know that rhythmic thing that everybody's doing until somebody who's playing a different instrument gets inspired um and i think that um when that happens spontaneously it's really awesome and i also think that there's a way to actually intentionally create that dynamic And that's what I'm playing with is, okay, how can I connect and understand um, the dynamism of that in a way that I support, I knowingly participate in trying to create that dynamic. Fascinating. Do you think that, um, I I, I guess for me, the, one of the things that I think about that is potentially a struggle is because I'm me and I've had my experiences trusting that the people I'm, I'm, I'm on stage with uh, are going to, and have the same uh, expectation or outlook on that. Yeah. The same, we're, we're on the same page. That's a, that's a hard one for me. You know, like uh, trust is a little bit of a difficult one sometimes. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think that's where it just comes into play. Like, you know, we talked about, we've talked about finding, um, every, finding your pack, finding your group of people that you, that works well and you're all on the same page and you want to see each other succeed and the group as a whole succeed. And we support that. And, um, you know, we show up to each other's shows and events and, and um, it's not just one person doing that for everybody and no one else doing it. Well, I think we're talking uh, about you know, no one else doing community. It. I mean, you and I are we're talking about it right now in terms of performance, because uh, I think that's what you and I have been working on recently. Um, but I see that happening. And well, how do you build collaborative partnerships, whether it's performance based or, you know, whatever you want to create? Um I think we're also looking at that more collectively um, as society as we are recognizing it doesn't work to have uh, one group in power. 
Like there has to be a collaborative right. effort. We need to learn how to work with each other a little bit better, how to um, embrace and include um, those who are very different from us and bring uh, diverse experience and perspective and background. And so I think that, you know, how do you be on the same page? I think you have to look at, well, who shows up and what's the page that it that holds everybody? Yeah. Otherwise, somebody has to become yeah. uh, less authentic in themselves about what they um, are offering. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. What, uh, you know, we've talked about in the past the, the concept that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, in community, um, I was taught in the past, you know, you show up and you do what uh, is needed um, because, and, and you, you ask what's needed and you kind of follow through with that instead of showing up into community and being yourself because that's what is needed and fulfilling yourself and being fulfilled and helping others uh, kind of not helping others, helping the community be stable and fulfilled well, by, I th- because you I are. I think you are really honing on into something that's really important is um, when you build community, uh, if you, for because of your own insecurities, can't show up authentically or the community itself um, doesn't, isn't receptive to your authenticity, it's, it might not be the right community. Because <laughs> the magic really right. happens when yeah. I'm in community and I feel completely free to show up authentic- authentically. Um, but I will also say that I think yeah. that there's something to be said for just showing up. I mean, if you don't do that. Oh, absolutely. Happens. Yeah. Right. And you you might not know how to how to or have ever been able to show up authentically uh, because it just wasn't the right situation and and uh, sometimes you got to show up and uh, showing up shows yeah. you that oh this is not the right place for so me. I am thinking since you and I are really uh, thinking a lot about community and and ways to create that. Um, that place where uh, diversity can happen and each person can have their innovation that's supported by the whole and, and by doing that is it, we're building a web. What do you think we draw our tools for um, just what do we need to become more aware of to be able to create those kind of collaborative communities? Yeah, I think that's a great topic. Yeah. All right. It's funny because we're talking about community and I think there's a part of me that really wants to be um, yeah. slightly more isolated. And so it's not about, I'm so it's actually kind of, I'm looking at, okay, I need to be more selective. I'm not just going to give it up to anybody out there who uh, would be community. It's I really want my interactions with people that I'm taking time and choosing to interact with them to be uh, meaningful to me, not just thrown about. Yeah. Well, I think that's the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, I definitely have found myself in communities where ultimately I went, uh, you know, this community and I are not a good fit. Um, and yeah, uh, You know, I definitely have walked a solitary path for a very long time. Um, And what I'm starting to notice is um, that if I go out and I seek for community, it almost feels like I'm, um, I, I don't know, there's something that that always falls flat for me. If what I do instead is just participate fully in my life, it's like, members of whoever my community is going to be start to just appear. And so it's less about me going out and finding community and more about me focusing on living 
um, my life as fully as I can. And the community shows up. And then I have to show up for them in return. Uh, You know, it's definitely, uh, it's not one way. It's got to be reciprocal. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. I... Um, I got, uh, there were three that there are four that came out, one that kind of fell off to the side and, uh, didn't need to be part of. So, but then I dropped the other three and the one that is facing, um, facing up, the other two are facing down. The one facing up is on And I, I, that's been, I think I've actually pulled that before on the show. Um, but on is, um, it's funny that I had to cough and clear my throat too, because on Suze is about finding your voice. Um, they're about clearing. Um, so I think uh, if we're pulling for the reason we pulled, uh, it was super appropriate that you have to be able to um, in yourself, find your own voice and, and um, your connection to, and not find your and understand your connection to the web and be strong in, in that before you can really step into an, an honorable, I'm not sure why I use that word. Um, community, uh, uh, collaboration or relationship or community. Mm. You're saying that, and I'm, I'm seeing a bird sitting in a tree silent. And so it's not experiencing itself as part of the flock because the flock can't hear it, doesn't know it's there. And as soon as the bird, the bird just has to sing its song. And when it does, the rest of its community uh, can, uh, it's like a call almost. Like when I sing my unique song, my community can recognize me, identify me and find me. Yeah, you know, um, also, I've been studying wolves, and uh, one of the things about their howl is that they don't all howl the same tone. They do it so it's in chorus, basically, uh, and they each have their own sound. And if you find, which is, this so this is interesting, because I hadn't really thought about it this way, but Um, If you are, if you, if uh, they bring a wolf into the pack, that wolf actually will change its howl to fit into the howl of the pack. So is that new howl Um, still something that's authentic to that wolf? That's the question I immediately I don't know. That's interesting. You know, how how do you tune with the pack without losing what is still true of you as an individual and what you have to offer the pack? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Or, you know, is is the existence of the pack, we'll continue with that analogy, is the existence of the pack um, and you're just a part of it and it's not really your howl it's the pack's howl and you're just part of it but we also still see ourselves as being isolated Hmm. from each other well uh, to me uh we're going back to systems right um you know that idea of one plus one is three there's what I bring as an individual and what's authentic yep. for me. There's what you bring as an individual and as authentic to you. And then when we collaborate, we're creating a whole third thing um, that uh, contains the contribution that each of us in our truth is contributing. But it's a whole separate thing that um, if either one of us is not doing our part, the whole thing falls apart. And what if it's the other way where the third thing already existed? We just didn't see it until we came together with the other, the one and one, and it already existed and continued to exist and continues to exist. And we're just now seeing the separate parts of it. Huh. Is that, 
is that reverse? What did you what what is it? What do you call it? Uh, not string theory. theory. What did you call it? Yeah, is it reverse well, it systems might be theory? Interesting that I don't you're know. That, I, I don't think that I'm actually. I'm not sure works. I've thought of it that way. <laughs> systems theory to me is that there is a collective and individual members, and that there is a life form of the collective that is more than just the sum of the parts. That there is something magical that happens. You know, that's that equation: one plus one is three. Is that whatever we are creating together is more than just my contribution and your contribution. Something mystical happens that when we both contribute our part, a whole other thing is created. It's kind of like I, I, uh, I like to describe systems for people who are unfamiliar with it in this way. Uh, if you have a tree, it's a life form, it's growing, it's beautiful, um, whatever kind of tree you want to imagine. Uh, if you cut down that tree and cut it up into its different parts, um, and now you're seeing all the individual things. So if you could separate the leaves from the roots, from the bark, from the tree, all that kind of stuff. If you just simply take those parts and yeah. reassemble them, you don't have a tree again. Something, some element is missing that a live tree has that simply disassembling it and reassembling it cannot recreate. So what were the other two you pulled? Um, Kalk and Lagus. So Kalk having um, the feeling for me at the moment of mm -hmm. fulfillment. Um, and um, Lagus, um, you know, it's the rune of water. If I'm feeling into what it, it means in this situation... I would say that I just keep getting um, the hit of emotions. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure. Well, that's, that was turned um, face down. I wonder, uh, yeah. do you have any sense, uh, because you've kind of identified those that show up face down are communicating to you that they're talking about an undercurrent. I think it's kind of interesting. You got a yeah. rune that's about water. And it showed up as an undercurrent. Yeah. Is that then just a reminder that yes. there is an undercurrent? You know, I, I, I pulled other divination tools today, mostly. Um, well, and it was to pull, uh, you know, I pull a Whispering Woods card from the deck every day. You try and post it. And um, it was a really interesting one. And so I pulled a card from uh, the Giants Tarot and then also from the Ked Tarot, which is uh, one we've talked about recently. And um, the funny thing was, is uh, I went back uh, just now and looked at the card from the Ked Tarot deck and the, the kind of the shape of it uh, is the shape of Kalk, the shape of the water in it. And the water uh, is kind of in this lake and then uh, pouring out and down onto this this being, you know, standing on a like a little platform fountain between trees. And then um, I think it's it's interesting, and I think that that card has something has some hidden <laughs> insight into uh, the undercurrent that the two runes actually showed up um, with. Uh, do I know what that is yet? Mm, no. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I think it's a really fascinating um, look at. So let me let me back up that the card that I'm talking about. When I look at the being that's he's kind of crouched down in in this shower of this waterfall that's coming from this lake. 
And um, I don't, at the moment, when I look at him, I don't see him, you know, bathing in the water, cleansing. It almost feels like um, a, it's, a, it's a burden and he's being overwhelmed um, by this water. And it doesn't feel peaceful or anything at all. And so... Um, well, I can tell you what I'm getting from that. I'm getting sure. two things. The first thing is I'm seeing a cauldron and I'm seeing a community gathered and each member of the community has brought something for the cauldron and they're making soup. Um, and when do you... Uh, like there is a point when you're making soup that if you add too many ingredients, uh, it doesn't taste very good. Right. Um, and that then kind of takes me back to, you know, you were asking me about improv. And one of the things that is unique about the theater where I practice is most improv is comedic. Um, and it's about like doing a scene that's two or three minutes long and then you go and somebody else comes on and you weave together, you know, a whole show is basically these little vignettes. Uh, in the theater that I practice and we do full length plays where there's still little vignettes, but it's with the idea that we are creating a cohesive story together. Yeah. And so that when I am choosing what my part is that I'm offering in the beginning, I don't know what the whole story is. So I'm just bringing my ingredient. But part of what needs to happen is, and as I do, I'm looking for, and how does that meld with the larger thing? What's the larger story? So what do I need to double down on and what do I need to let go of? And I've definitely been part of shows that are really tight and cohesive and they're magical and wonderful. And I've been part of shows where, um, we haven't found the collective story, so we just keep throwing in new idea after new idea after new idea, which actually makes the whole situation worse. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, where is that balance when the collective needs an innovation in order to grow and bond? And when does it need to simplify in order to create the connection? So I think it's, uh, you know, when you're talking about your card, um, that uh, today or maybe always when you look at that card, that instead of it being a being who's stepping into the waterfall and it's cleansing and feels good, which is what I would typically imagine in that scenario, this being actually is feeling overwhelmed with the abundance of the power of the waterfall. It doesn't feel clearing and, and freeing. It actually feels burdensome. Yeah. There is such a thing as having too much of a good thing. Something like that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And what oh. was your third one? The, the other one that was face down? Uh, so the of the three, there was Kalk and Lagoos. Okay. And then Kalk is the one that's kind of fulfillment and um kind of like the holy grail um like when does abundance become waste yeah when does having too many choices stagnate you because you can't make a decision right yes yeah. you know so the um the water that comes out of this lake and is, is landing on this being uh it's called the card is called the fount. So it's actually not a traditional tarot card. Okay. And um, it's part of their uh, addition. I think it's the, one of the rose cards is what they call them. And um, so the water pours onto him um, and he is the fountain, the fount. And then seven streams or seven rivers come off of him. So, uh, come off of that fountain. So that's a really interesting, um, uh, addition. And when, when I, that's the thing I thought of when uh, you said there was too, there were too many choices or too, or too much abundance. If I'm the font and too much is flowing through me, I have to be more mindful about what to give away and where to give it to. Yeah. Yeah. 
which is how I feel <laughs> when I said that earlier. I'm, like, I'm just kind of aware of I don't want to necessarily waste my time with with uh, people or people pack members, whatever you want to call them, that uh, I don't want to. Yeah. So what card did you get? Well, let's see. Oh, <laughs> I got the hanged man. Well, <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> I love this card. Uh, it For a while, it was my favorite card. Um, because for me, I don't see it as the sacrifice, although I know a lot of people read it that way uh, because it's traditionally Odin that's hanging on the tree. Um, it also has um, has been connected to, although I, I don't think it originates, to Jesus hanging on the cross. Right. Um, to me, this is all about when you are feeling stuck and stagnant, it's time to take a different perspective. And that, um, to me, the difference, uh, the hanged man, to me, has a natural relationship to the tower card. In that, um, if it is time for me to shift perspective and I don't recognize that or I hang on too tightly to the perspective I have, either because I need to be right or I need the security and familiarity of it, or I just love it so much that I'm not ready to let it go, um, that's when the tower card will often show up. It's kind of like you're not letting go when you really need to in order to move on. And so some kind of divine intervention comes. Um, the hanged man to me is when I can recognize that I need a shift in perspective and I intentionally place myself in a different position in order to uh, create a new perspective. Yeah. So to me, the uh, my own personal relationship, and I know different people have different things, and I know you're very connected to Odin, so you may have uh, some other things to contribute. Uh, but for me, this is uh, this has always been. Uh, there is no sacrifice in this card to me. It is, and I I could make the argument I've got to sacrifice the perspective I currently have. Uh, but to me, that's never felt like a sacrifice. I actually, when it's time to shift perspective, the one I'm currently in usually feels really uncomfortable. I start feeling restless, like I'm longing for a shift of, of uh, perspective. Um, so I, I personally don't uh, often feel uh, that as sacrifice. I feel it as relief. Yes. So I think if we're, like um, bringing it back to kind of the pulling of the, the question is, you know, we, we pulled based upon how do you, how does sacrifice play into or not sacrifice? Well, I guess that kind of goes along with um, things that we talked about already. Well, I think because you've, you've asked me about improv is that I do think that there are times where I will actually, I've done it myself. I felt this myself and I've recognized it in others when I'm inspired by something, but I can recognize it no longer has a place in the collective story we're telling. And, um, and there have been times where I feel like, Oh, I have to sacrifice my idea. Um, and it's actually, and that creates for me a certain energetic within myself that um, is not as conducive to community building and the kind of web weaving that we're talking about as when I simply say, okay, that's a great idea. I'm going to put it on the back shelf because it doesn't have a place in this particular story. And what I need to do is change my perspective to be able to join what's happening. And so if I get too attached to that, my idea has to be sacrificed. I am not engaging in the collective community in the same way as if I just say, oh, this idea at this moment doesn't have a place, but I'm going to hang on to it, put it in the back burner. It'll have a place eventually. And what do I need to do to get on board with what is happening? Yeah. Because when I do that, my energy is different. What I'm actually contributing is different. When I have the experience of having had to sacrifice something that I'm attached to, um, I participate as if I'm in mourning. <laughs> Whereas 
<laughs> when what I do is say, well, that's a great idea, but it's not part of this story. Uh, it doesn't feel like sacrifice. Then I'm not participating in mourning. I'm participating uh, with more open curiosity about, well, what is the story and where's my part? Yes. So maybe there's a message about this card and the traditional ways it's been interpreted that when you look at it as sacrifice, you are going to have one experience. But when you look at it as something that I am choosing to do and I am choosing to take a different perspective in order to connect, it, it creates a very different energetic within the one who is hanging upside down. So now hmm. I'm wondering how my card relates to your runes. So, uh, you know, if we, c there are mm, folks who say that uh, Ansu's is Odin's rune, or one of them, um, specifically because he breathed life into the first, to ask an Embla, the first pro-humans. Also, I think, so, sorry, no, go ahead. So it's about speaking. I, so it's that larger archetype that we see in different creation stories of, I am speaking something into existence. Yes. Okay. And um, so for, from his perspective, he spoke or breathed them into existence. So then in kind of a different turn, a different perspective, you know, are we each being breathed or are we taking a breath? So then that shifts our perspective of um, being isolated or solitary into uh, really all, always and constantly being in a relationship with breath, uh, which could be our ancestors if they were cremated or not even if they were buried in the earth their pieces eventually came to be the trees which then made carbon dioxide into oxygen and or apples you know uh, things that we've eaten so we're in a in a bigger perspective um in a bigger re relationship uh, collaboration than just ourselves and maybe that's the one thing that we you know, going into and looking at being in these collaborations and community is that um, having the the perspective that it's always just bigger than ourselves. Right. And more than uh, just a collection of the members. Yes. Like when you say that, what I'm seeing is a community, but there's this larger, um, uh, I mean, you're explaining it as Odin, but Odin can be a symbol for, a presence that uh, is kind of overarching. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, and it's, it's a hard one for me to um, always understand in a, from a new perspective, but the place from which I grew up uh to be a member of the collective is always to be, you know, uh, in service to, and I think I mentioned this already, um, instead of being of service. And so um, being in service to really, I think, uh, has the potential for negating any uh, ability or any potential for self-fulfillment. Um because your fulfillment comes from just being, you know, in service to everybody else, but being coming at it from a perspective of being of service to the whole uh, or to a bigger collective uh, being part of it where everyone um, is not uh, self-sacrificing service, then that's a really different perspective. And one that um, I have a bit of a, uh, just a bit of a challenge shifting. 
Well, I think that um, I think you are talking about the difference between dictatorship and systems. Um, you know, dictatorship is when I have to sacrifice myself in order to uh, comply or conform to a role that is determined for me that the community needs me to play, regardless of whether or not that's a fulfilling role for me. Um, the antithesis of that is when I'm so individual that if you can't take me as I am, you know, the relationship's over. Right. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, we're talking about the struggle of uh, individual um, fulfillment or community of film fulfillment. And if we just change that preposition in the middle, it's not the individual or the collective, it's the individual and the collective. Yes. Um, and I think when you do that, it takes that element of sacrifice out for me. I don't have to sacrifice being in community in order to be truly who I am or sacrifice who I am to be in community. Right. Yeah. Well, today was pretty philosophical, wasn't it? I think we were esoteric as fuck today. Yes, we were. Well, you know, <laughs> it's funny. I was telling you, I'm feeling the stirrings of the air element. And uh, it's funny that we're in the earth element. We just come through solstice. So, you know, the wind is starting to pick up and stir. Um, we just we just went... Uh, pretty far into the air element not very grounded no uh at all no um at all <laughs> well hopefully our philosophizing has maybe inspired uh uh maybe people to think of uh, some different ways maybe part of this card is about sometimes you need to get uprooted and ungrounded in order to shift your perspective yeah um and, uh, yeah, see where the wind carries you. Absolutely. Yeah. So, wow. well, well, thank you for uh, philosophizing with me today, Ken. No, thank you. I, I uh, you know, uh, you do so uh, much better <laughs> up in functioning in the air realm than I do. I get a little lost and blown about, but... Um, you know, so I, I appreciate that about you. Um, and thank you. And thank you guys for tuning in once again and listening. And uh, we hope you have had a brilliant solstice and uh, are kind of forming those seeds to plant coming soon. And uh, if you want to uh, shoot us a message, give us any feedback or tell us how your solstice was, please do so. And you can do that by emailing us at web of resonance, pod, um, at gmail.com, or you can do it through Facebook or anchor. Absolutely. And as always, we thank you for listening and have a good week. Have a great week.